It's Friday, July 14th, 2017, and you're listening to episode 449 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 46 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. My name is John. Still Brodor. My name's Chad. And this is Chris. Several announcements that we've got kicking. First of all, the Skies of Glass AP is now available publicly. So if you go to ap.feartheboot.com, so no www, just ap.feartheboot.com, you will get our actual play site. Now, I'm still messing with it, so I realize there's some features missing from it, but I wanted to put it in its own site and its own feed because I know within the podcast-consuming audience, there's some people that want only AP, only the advice shows with no AP or both. Now, wait a minute, Dan. Are you saying we're doing a AP? Uh, that is, fortunately, unfortunately, exactly what I'm saying. AAP. <laughs> yeah. Multiple. Continue. Well, okay, so yeah, I'll get to this, the, the second one in a moment. All right, so announcement number two related to this is Lookout Radio is now also live. The show's teaser along with the first two, and by the time this drops, I'm hoping the third episode of that it will all be live you can find that at lookoutradio.com or check the show notes for any of these links and that is an audio drama that i'm doing set in the skies of glass universe the setup being that one individual is transmitting out into the wasteland and is describing his day-to-day life and you can listen to it yourself and check out the first few episodes and you'll see what it's about the third thing is we are preparing to restructure our Patreon because we have a better sense of how people are using it and what seems to be catching the interest of our audience. And so there's going to be a restructuring coming soon, and I will post full details of this on the Patreon before we do it so that people have plenty of time to change their pledges to fit what it is they actually want. Now, I do want to stress two things, and you'll get the details when I make that post, but I do want to stress two things, which is number one, to anyone that has been backing us up to this point at a particular level, you will still get the rewards from that level cashed out. So if you've backed us at the game with us level, but haven't reached enough months to actually get that, if that's true as of the dropping of this recording, We'll go ahead, round up to the full number of months, and give you that so you're not getting screwed out of your money. And the second thing is, while there are going to be some Patreon-exclusive perks, as before, we're going to make a really strong attempt not to paygate any of our primary content. That's not a philosophy we're changing. We're just restructuring it based on what it seems that people are most interested in getting from it. So it's just kind of an evolving thought process. Right now, related to this, one of the things that we've decided we want to do is we are getting rid of the milestones completely. I think they make sense on a Kickstarter. In my opinion, at least for us, I don't think they're doing a whole lot for the Patreon. And so in addition to the Skies of Glass actual play, which is pre-recorded, and then just dropped an MP3 format. We are now also going to be starting about an every other week live stream 
actual play that will be done on Twitch using Google Hangouts and Roll20 and I, I or whatever, Discord and Roll20 or whatever it is we end up using. Some horrible Frankenstein of tabletop online slash broadcasting slash chat channel technology. Right. And on that one, you guys will actually be able to interact with us while we're gaming. And there's going to be some new backer rewards that are based on these APs and based on Lookout Radio. So just keep an eye on the Patreon. I'll be sure to circulate it all around our Twitter, Facebook, our forums, everything, when we actually drop that post, giving the details on the new Patreon structure. On to our first topic for today. Brodor, (laughs) we want to talk to John about some stuff, but you said something that caught our attention. That set him off? Yeah, that (laughs) set him off. Caused me to screech and rage. My uh, my buddy Daniel, who runs our every other Friday night Pathfinder game, uh, we ended. We talked about it on a couple episodes back, where Daniel ended his game. And last night, Daniel started his new game. And in preparation for Daniel's new game, when we ended the previous game, he pitched the idea that he wanted to run another Gestalt game. But what's, the, what's yeah. that? Gestalt. Gestalt is is in you in in D anD D Pathfinder three five whatever. You pick two classes, and at first level and every level thereafter, you get the best of both worlds. So, for mm. example, if I was a fighter rogue, I would get the fighter hit die and the rogue sneak attack and the fighter feats and access to both skill lists, etc. Okay. When it's, you said Gestalt, I thought you were talking about something that wasn't D anD D. So I stopped paying attention. <laughs> but now that we're back. Oh. Uh, please continue. Oh, it's insane. In our previous game, by the end of it, I was a 14th level Gestalt wizard cleric. That sounds I, horrible. It <laughs> it was hell, okay. but it was also amazing. Any which way. So Daniel is going to run a new Gestalt game. And in preparation for that, he said, I want you to pick one class. That's it. You picked one class. You told Daniel the class. And I was like, gunslingers, f***ing stupid. Fantasy games shouldn't have guns. Gunslinger. So <laughs> I am putting guns in the dwarf yeah. game, by the yeah. way. I well, get the dwarf game. It makes sense. But you intentionally picked a class yes. you hate. Yes. Because I because I hate guns in fantasy games and I've never played a gunslinger. I've never read the mechanics. So I wanted to well, it. let's see what happens. Right. So a couple weeks later, I get an email that says my penis pup has arrived <laughs> and there's my character. Daniel has made me a fourth level Strix Gestalt fighter gunslinger. Hmm. Picked all my feats. Picked all my equipment, picked all my stats. The only thing he didn't give me was a name and a background. Hmm. And that's that. So then, last night, we show up. He says, does anybody have any questions about their character? You know, have you decided on a name, etc.? Background, don't worry about it because you don't know, you don't remember. It's this whole amnesia thing, which conceptually works well at a convention, but not... Right. We don't know if it's going to work for a campaign. Just like pre-maids themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But we figured... Mm-hmm. You know, whatever, I'm in. Full bore, let's do it. So we ran our first game session last night. Now, how well the game session is beside the point. The point is, is that Daniel asked us to trust him, and we laid all our trust out there to see what happens. Mm -hmm. I trust every game master that I'll willingly go to for more than a single session, but I still don't want any of them making my entire character for me. 
Well, but you I, get to choose a name, and you can make your own background. And he did say the background didn't matter, so you can write whatever you want there. <laughs> yeah, I can so say you, you could have all the unimportant things. So, yeah, so, and because you don't have any memory, you could choose your name. But really, the the name doesn't yeah, matter what either. The hell, does your background matter if you don't remember anything you've ever done? So, and that's what's crazy about it, because we then went around the table, and everyone described the appearance of their character. So we had this moment where. Each person at the table gets to display that thing, right? That, you know, when I first see you, when, I, yeah. when we first meet, I look at you and I start formulating opinions. Mm -hmm. So we got to influence each other at the table based on their perceptions of what we appear to be. It was really neat to listen to everyone describe. So, wait, that is a little cool. What so, they were. Right. Am I understanding this right? Like, let's say you're playing Brodor and I'm playing Chad. Right. And... I go into a bar and it's the first time Brodor and Chad right. meet. And, so, and then Brodor so, describes Chad. Yeah, so you see a guy who's probably a little older than he actually looks because he drinks too much and he doesn't have any kids. It actually coincidentally keeps him young. He would probably be <laughs> handsome if he lost about 40 pounds. But there's also a little bit of crazy in his eyes because he's probably been drinking for a bit. He's short. He's sort of got a, a five o'clock shadow. It's, it's patchy. He really he can't grow good facial hair, <laughs> but he's too lazy. Mm. To, to shave regularly, hence why he's overweight. He's he's wearing a very kind of clever Dungeons and Dragons silhouette T-shirt, but he's there with uh, you know a, a half-finished mug of beer, and he kind of looks at you from across the room, and you're like, mm, he's handsome enough. Yeah, you call that of, stubble, buddy? Right, right. Yeah. So that's I call of, that 9.30 in the morning. Right, so all of our characters wake up in this sort of cliched, in the detritus of an ancient spell with all these, mm -hmm. you know, old wizard bones and robes and things in the middle of this room, and it's video game puzzle time, right? Right. And so we have to figure out how do we get out of this place, etc. Who are we? Where did we come from? You know, we all have coinage from different realms, etc. It was... I don't know. It was very he fun. He drives you to a strip mall escape room yeah, because he right. made your characters and none of your background matters. Right, so shut up. And this is where the keys go when you unlock yes. the picture puzzle. Yeah. And damn, if it wasn't fun. All right. <laughs> no wrong fun. Uh, yeah. I, I just see uh, the possibility that that could be fun. I, I, I would rather do that for how. Okay. So. So how long is this campaign or campaign arc? Great, great question. So Daniel is a very uh, young and relatively inexperienced game master. So that was going to be my question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I have no idea. All right. So this could theoretically be one of these year long or shoot for forever campaigns. Yeah. So I wouldn't do that to my players in those situations for two reasons. They love making characters and statting it out and doing the background and everything like that. And I love getting meat on the bones of my campaign ideas from the ideas that my players are pitching back at to me in session zero and beforehand for the dwarf game. I'm already mm -hmm. doing this one player's decision to play a dwarf tiefling shot my plot generator going in one direction. Dan, your decision to be old as hell shot my plot generator going in another direction. Chad, your decision to be in the brig <laughs> shot my plot trainer. And I feel, I feel like if I myself made up everyone's everything for them ahead of time, those hooks, which are the yeah. best hooks that are out there because you already have investment, would not be there for me to hang my hat on. That's right there one of my biggest concerns is if I give you a character, you may have plot hooks to work with, but I don't know that the person playing the character actually cares. Right. And for the sake of a con game or a one-shot, you give pregens 
in many games because of the fact that you don't want to spend the time making the characters yeah. and because the character doesn't matter if it's a three hour one shot sure. adventure from a book you just have to have enough buy-in on the character to play it for three hours or whatever but if you want me to buy into this thing for a multi-month or multi-year i don't know whatever right but we're not talking one shot sort of arc i don't know that i'm going to care about I, I mean, if I look at the old D&D story slash video game, Curse of the Azure Bonds slash Azure Bonds, depending on, because the video game had one name and the book had another. If you tell me, look, you wake up and you've got these sigils tattooed and you don't remember anything about yourself or, or whatever, it's like, well, then I don't freaking care. So <laughs> here's what was really fun about it is that, and granted, this was all driven by mechanics. But the first game session was a game session of discovery, not just about ourselves, but about the other people at the table. So there are four players and there were four distinct puzzles that required the skill set of each of the gestalt individuals at the table to solve. Right. So everybody got to like, oh, you know what? I I think I've got something for this. I think I can solve this thing. Right. So. Role-playing wise, it was a lot of, huh, who are these people and why are we here? And that's all very confusing. But the game became more about really the the one combat encounter we had and then the puzzles that sort of led up to that particular combat counter. It was it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if this thing's gonna fall flat on its face, but for me, the most important part was, hey, you know what, I'll try it. Right. Yeah, I'd give it a day in court. I think that that's really the important takeaway here. A game master handing you a complete character, and again, the the name and the background, you could do that yourself, but they actually don't matter because you have amnesia and they're never going to come up anyway. Yeah, I I am not 100% comfortable with doing that, but that's also because I'm huge into collaboration. That's like, that's my jam is collaboration. But on the other hand, I think that trying things as a game master is really crazy important. Otherwise, you are just going to get into a rut of telling the same stories in the same way with the same mechanics over and over again. That is true. Now, does this mean that you need to be like Andy Warhol or Salvador Dali of gaming where you are trying to go off the range? Eh, you know, whatever. It, it, with high, there, there is high such a thing as trying to be too original. Yeah. But high there's risk. also such a thing as just trying to rerun the same campaign you yeah. ran the first time you ever GM'd high, over and over. Dude, this high is, risk, this is one reward. of the reasons why I am such a big believer in trust your GM. Yeah. Because there are times that I get a wild hair and I want to experiment with something. And I'm like with singing. You. Like singing. Which, Let's talk about singing what? for a moment. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to singing, but like, that was a risk. That, that was a risk. But like, for example, you know, one of the things I've wanted to run for a long time is an Ultima based game. You know, start with the card game mm-hmm. based on that. You get your virtue, you get your character class. Boom. You guys have your trip to Narnia, except it's Britannia, not Narnia. And, and I set up in the Lich Lord room with the energy vortex and kill everyone who ever comes. Dry loot their bodies and drop them off in Buccaneer's Den. Oh, you said dry loot. <laughs> I, I went a different direction. Yeah. Uh, oh, but, right, right. Yeah. right but the, the you point, can do that in emotes. Okay, all right. The point being, though, whether that's a, a good idea, bad idea, whatever, mm-hmm. the point being that there's an idea in there that I want to experiment with and see where yeah. it goes. And this is not exactly like, okay, you could say it's similar to other fantasy games. 
but it's not exactly like any sort of game I've ever run before. And I think the skill sets that I would learn and the things that I would develop Mm -hmm. from doing that are important in a way to my growth as a game master. Now, the advice that I would give Daniel, not Dan, Daniel, your game master, Rodor, not that he's asking me for advice or anything like that, completely unsolicited from on high at our ivory tower here at headquarters, is be experimental. Do this. You said he's a new game master. I would suggest keep doing this, keep trying new things, keep trying different things because, you know, you will find stuff that you do that will be very memorable. It will be very cool and you will be doing stuff that nobody else is doing and also be prepared to punch out of an idea because I'm very experimental. I remix rules. Even if you take bog standard D and D, I will remix it and change things and add things and do things. And I will be very experimental and it does not always work out high risk, high reward. That doesn't mean you are highly rewarded. Every time you take a risk, it means that you're going to fall on your face more than you are rewarded. And that's cool. That's okay. But just be prepared to either say to yourself, okay, guys, this idea I had with the thing and the what's it, eh, it's just not very fun, is it? Is it is, are you guys liking it? Are you enjoying it? And maybe they'll come back and say, oh, yeah, we're awesome. It's, it's good. Maybe they'll say, no, nah, it isn't working out for us. And then figure out how to move on from there, either kill the game or make a shift in the game away from that and keep going. Well, and the, the and that, can that, that can sometimes be the tough part, though, is knowing when something's not right. You're, you're always going to get that initial vibe like, ah, this isn't working out too good. But then you have to make the decision whether or not do I want to try and stick with it and think this this is just a temporary thing and it'll get better, or is it is it really time to punch out? And that's and it's almost impossible to know when that is because it always comes at this case by case basis as to is this the right time to give up or do I keep pushing through because I know it's going to get better down the way. Chris, let me throw something else into that equation to complicate things a bit, which is we are also talking about a new game master. Someone has taken the step. To you know, say, okay, I'm going to run a game. And there is a certain amount of social risk in that. And there's people out there that will not do it. But I also have to wonder, if you've got someone who's a new game master, is it worth giving them an even wider berth than you would give an established game master? Simply as a way of saying, all right, you've got an idea. Let's play along with it. Because of the fact that I don't, don't want to, dis- I don't want to cr- crush them. It's it's like telling a kid that their macaroni art looks stupid. I I, dis- I disagree. I, I see. Where, I get where you're coming from. I mean, I I'm absolutely on board with not crushing the new game master. We need as a hobby more game masters and more good game masters. But the only way you get better is with constructive. Feedback. It's got to be constructive. So here's where Daniel is, because, you know, he's an adult, yeah. right? And here's where no, he's, he's ex- a little baby game master. <laughs> here's where he's extremely mature. At the end of the game session last mm-hmm. night, he says, okay, guys, so what worked? Right. What didn't work? Um, let's talk about it. This is something new. You're trusting me. So I want to provide you with the opportunity for Kud- some input. Kudos to Daniel for asking that and seeking that. And at that point, it is absolutely on the players to not blow sunshine up his ass. Right. Praise the good. 
be constructive about the stuff that didn't work. I'm not one of these people who think that if you think something is bad, you have to provide counter solutions because that's just not how life works. You just don't come up with solutions all the time flowing out your ass. But you you have to be honest. Don't sit there and say, this game sucked. There was nothing good about it. But also say, you have to say the good things about it. You have to say, okay, this didn't work for me for these reasons. And do it one-on-one if that helps. People will tell you what they really think when it's just you two. Even in a small gaming group of people that trust each other, I trust every single one of the individuals there. They will always be more frank when it's just you two and not the group at Waffle House afterwards. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, it is difficult when you've got way being, if it's very easy for a GM to put themselves out there and ask that question because I think a lot of times players do feel compelled to blow that sunshine. I think you're absolutely yeah. right, Chad. But it is, it is in that, it's that process of realizing that they're doing this for a reason and you need to be that respectful player and take them up yeah. on that. And, you know, it's holding them accountable, but in the proper way. You know, yeah. if they're if they're willing to put themselves out there, uh, even whether it's either a courteous gesture or they're being very sincere about it, you have to look at it in that positive way and not just say, oh, yeah, it was great. And then pack up your shit and get out yeah. of there. That that. Oh, yeah, it was great. And pack up your shit thing. That as a game master makes me paranoid because it's like suddenly you have to play Professor Xavier psychic. And my mm-hmm. my current group does this. And. They're not bastards for doing it. They are being nice. When I have a really good game, they're like, that was awesome. Oh, my God. That was, and we're talking about it, and it's going great. And then when we have a game that isn't that great, they don't say, here's what worked and here's what didn't. They say, yeah, that was nice. And then they go on talking about other stuff, and I'm sitting here going. <sighs> well, somebody just put themselves out there and went to yeah. a if they're any good at all, a fair amount of time and mental energy to put the game together and run it. It's the difference between going to your aunt and uncle's house for dinner and going over to your buddy's house who is a professional chef and you're a professional chef and you're both trying to improve. Right. At grandma's house, everything was great. It's all, it's just pure discourtesy to, Mm -hmm. to even offer constructive criticism unless you're like ill and dying and you want to keep the kids from eating the chicken. In the second case, if you're both creatives who are trying to get better at creative something, you want notes. There is no, yeah, yeah. courtesy does not demand that you yeah. smile, nod, and say it was the best meal you've ever had in your life. Uh, if anything, courtesy invites you strongly to make a constructive suggestion every time you can. Yeah. In fact, in that regard, like you're saying, you know, the, the two master chefs cooking for each other, I don't want praise. I mean, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like some masochist, but I want notes. I want you to tell me what worked and why. And what worked and didn't, and why? Like Shotguns rule. That's all I know. <laughs> Shotguns f-ing rule. <laughs> Fly by attack with a shotgun. <laughs> I had a boner. <laughs> so you are no longer down on guns and. No, oh, no. I mean, whatever, man. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to reiterate. Kudos to Daniel for being an inexperienced GM and taking risks. Yes. That this is, is not good. a bad idea. It's no. just an idea that I wouldn't do because of how I key into other people's creativity. Yeah. And I wouldn't do it because I got to collaborate. That's how I make the game is through collaboration. So not through dictation. And you know he's a new GM, too, because he has all the energy to like make everyone's characters from scratch. Uh, and this, yeah. You get to old fart status, you're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I, I say kid. He's 30. But <laughs> he's so sharp. He's extremely creative. And he knows Pathfinder unbelievably well. 
I mean, it's he's very, very. He's got he's got a remarkable head for rules. That's another one. You can tell he's a new GM. Yeah, he's yeah. read the rule book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm yeah. a lawyer. <laughs> I'm trained in applying and arguing rules. I'm going to be running fifth edition. Someone who can actually quote a chapter and verse at me could school me. I've read the books, <laughs> but like. I don't occupy that headspace, yeah. having game for as long as we all have. So I think that leads us into the other topic. You're running fifth edition. Well, I oh, oh, we oh. need to talk about singing. something we brought oh, up. Oh, I yes. told Chad we'd come back to singing. Sorry, Chad, singing. So uh, speaking of risk in games and stuff, we were playing the Skies of Glass actual play, which we're on our third episode, yeah. Dan. So uh, for those who don't know and didn't listen to the Bumper in front. Is there an episode zero or something? I thought there were four. Up there. Oh, yeah. Actually, this that was the fifth. There were two sessions of game prep, and then there were that was the third sitting of the actual game. Okay. So mm-hmm. that's the fifth episode, but third installment of the game. Okay. So Dan did something which he you actually kind of did in one of my previous games too. This is not the first time I've heard you sing in a game. We are on a boat. And that's the whole thing is that we're river merchants in this skies of glass world. And Wayne was kind of, I, I don't know if he was kind of trying to troll you or what, because there's an NPC that is attached to my character, but Dan fully plays him. He's a gladiator, right? Oh my gosh. Did that guy sing? Big, oh yeah. 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 He's a big, nice. tough, huge guy. And for every single session, when anybody asks my character about him, and says, oh, he's so scary. Oh, he's so intimidating. Oh, he's so crazy. My character just blows him off. It's like, he's got a beautiful singing voice. Which, by the way, talk- is nothing I ever stated to be true no. about this this character. Yeah, absolutely. And I do it just to invert expectations for people. It's just like, why don't you go talk to him? Ask him to sing. He's got a beautiful singing voice. But he's like seven feet tall. He can rip. Don't judge him. His beauty is on the inside. And yeah, your character's kind of a nutter. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and I have a list of traits for this NPC. Things about his background, some things that I just haven't come up yet. Once again, not yeah, on the list. Not on the list. So Wayne, his character, plays a reed flute. Is one of the little trait thing he picked up. And I, like I said, I don't know if he was trying to troll you or not. I think, what did he do? He asked... Casey, and this is the big gladiatorial guy, he asked Casey to sing along with him on something. No, he said, I want you to sing. He's like, I want to hear you sing. Oh, he called you on it. Oh, he he, called the joke. He called me out on a trait I never even said this guy had. Right, it was just a passing joke thing. And then Dan played it off, right? He's just like, oh, well, I'll... We can't do it right now. Well, we'll do it in the morning, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I got the impression of... Obviously, this is the, okay, Wayne, yeah, yeah you called yeah. it. You know what you know. was going on as a game master? I was buying time to right. write the song. Exactly. And he's like, well, I'll, I'll write some lyrics and I'll come back with something worthwhile. Well, we role play. We role play and we do stuff and stuff is happening and characters change. And I don't know. I think it, it seemed like it was like an hour later, but I, don't, I had no idea of the passage of time. Well, morning rolls around and then here comes Beaten Dan and he's got... He's got a little piece of paper that he has kind of below the table. He's hiding from us. And he goes up to Wayne's character. He's like, okay, I've written the song. The thing is, we're in a boat. So it's a sea chanty. And he starts clapping. And then he looks at us like, okay, all together now. Yeah, I, I had this moment of dread, right? Because I, I hate audience participation like in right. anything. But I was like, I, was, I had this moment where time stops and you're like, well... 
Brodor, you've got to make a decision. <laughs> Do you sing or don't sing? And so mm-hmm. I can't sing or keep time, but I tried. Yep. And so Brodor had that going on. Wayne's face kept getting redder and redder and redder, but he started clapping. I was like, oh my God, singing again. Yes. And then I started yeah, I, I made the whole table clap in time with them. And then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Rhythm over here in the middle of the song. Gets his timing on his clapping <laughs> wrong, completely throws me off in the middle of the song. Like, you bastard. Yeah, I, I suck. And, and it was sung in a sort of shanty style where he would sing a line and then we everyone would, would have yeah, to sing the, the call line. and response. Yeah. It was great. And yeah, it, well, and it, it call. And not only that, not only was it a sea shanty, and not only did it do the call and response thing, not only did it have audience participation, almost every line of the song was in character and reference stuff that we did in game. Well, and it, I mean, yeah, because it, it talks about pops yeah. and it talks about who bought the expensive water. water exactly. And I was like, okay, that's <laughs> wonderful. And it was amazing. But the reason why it was experimental is it's very memorable. It's very awesome. It was this awesome moment. But as a game master, it's a huge risk because the moment Dan started doing this and I realized, oh my God, I know what he's doing. I'm looking around the table. Eric is like, what? He didn't say anything, but he had this look of, I, I play D&D. We don't do this in D&D. <laughs> and, and you it went through exactly what you had just said. And that was written all over your face like, oh, shit. And then, like I said, Wayne was just like, we're doing this. Are we doing this? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my god we're doing this and he's just start kind of going in and clapping so it could have fallen apart it could i mean like you could have looked right at dan and said i'm not singing right but it goes back to trust your trust Trust your gm GM. so i was like you know what this is where it's gonna go this is where it's gonna go yeah don't be too cool at an rpg too yeah yeah it just doesn't work yeah yeah that is precisely where i was going with it that's what i was Mm -hmm. hoping to get out of it was I mean, look, you want to get that comfort level, easiest way to do it. it it's like jumping into cold water. Yeah. It's I mean, there's a case to be made for going in slowly. There's a case to be made for just diving in head first and getting it over with. And I knew that it's like if I can get these people <laughs> who have been goading me to sing to now themselves sing along with me, even though I don't have a great singing voice either. Oh, come on. You got that nice deep bass. That, I love the gnarl singing. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was the other character that sang was gnarl sang a song. And I actually made Beth and Wayne mm-hmm. or was it, but I don't remember who was, you I don't an accompaniment. Yeah. Well, I it had parts it, instead of like, that was like a more like a musical. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't a shanty. And so instead of, just him singing and them responding. Everybody had to play a part. And it was about a bridge troll mm-hmm. that was secretly a knoll pretending to be a troll. <laughs> and that was the, cause that was the setup Wayne gave was something about yeah. a bridge knoll. And so I'm like, <laughs> all right, he's going to be a knoll pretending to be a troll who was in love with, I don't remember what it was something really bizarre. So it became this like really subversive mm. love story. And I was, I would sing a part. And then while I was singing, I would really quick write on a note card, the other person's part. And I don't remember who the other, there was a male and a female. I know the female was bad, be bad, but yeah. I don't remember who the male was. It's either Wayne or Pat. Yeah. And I would throw them the card and make them <laughs> s- sing the lines back to me. 
and just invent the tune as they went. But, you know, we've talked about trying to get these other levels of immersion mm. to get the role-playing game to appeal in other ways. One of the things, I can't cook, but one of the things that I've heard of Game Masters doing that sounds really cool is when you show up, they're like, okay, this is what you guys eat for breakfast in the tavern. Here it is. Right. You know, I actually made that. Or we're going to do a tankard of mead. I'm going to pour out a tankard of mead. Mm-hmm. And to actually start appealing to other senses and other parts of your brain. I think I want a tankard done, of mead. I think you've mm-hmm. done the booze one before. I do like wine or something. I might. If I, I have, I don't remember, recall yeah. it. it. But that's was something else I just was hoping to get out singing. It was like, I'm going to take this game to another part of people's brains and just go yeah. with it. And if it fails, we sound stupid. Look, we're a bunch of 40-year-olds playing make-believe anyway. Yeah, and recording it because we think we're awesome. Yeah, and putting it out there for the world to hear. (laughs) I think that ship has sailed. Excuse (laughs) Don't excuse the pun. I love it when people ask me, oh, well, what are your hobbies? It's like, oh, and if they're nerds, I say, oh, yeah, well, I do a podcast. I do lots of role-playing games. I have written role-playing games. And, you know, this podcast is really popular and blah, blah, blah. And we have conventions. You won an any. Yeah, I won an any. I'm award-winning right. And they're like, wow, that's so cool. And I'm like, no. No, it's actually no, the opposite no. of cool. See, it's cool now. Everything is different now. <laughs> right. Hobby right. Zero is being tooled and medicated to give a fuck if you think I'm cool. Yes. That's Hobby Zero. All my other hobbies really are just kind of downwind or downstream mm-hmm. from that. All right. So now that singing's out of the way, John, <laughs> let's talk elves and dwarves. Okay. So... The first arc of what will be a cast-shifting and almost certainly GM-shifting project for the quote-unquote Fear the Boot actual play will be a Dwarf Fortress campaign run in 5 edition that I will run. Uh, Of the hosts of Fear the Boot that are going to be on there, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's just going to be you two, Dan and Chad. A couple of other friends of mine, two of the original Blood Moon Goblin PCs, actually, who I've been gaming with continuously ever since that happened seven or eight years ago. And then our friend Ed, who is an Indianapolis native who we hang out with at Gen Con all the time. He cooks really good stuff. Yeah, because he's a chef. Uh, he's literally, he is a chef. Uh, going back to the analogy, I was not thinking of him, but yeah. I will literally have a professional chef in that group who is also a very good game master. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the gritty details of that will go up in and around the actual play feed. I'm going to post some of my notes, maybe do some video log style confessional stuff of where I'm going with some of my planning so you can laugh at how differently it actually turns out versus how I thought it was going to be when I was sitting down to write it. But the topic of conversation that came up in the course of planning for this came out like so. So I put out there for everyone to see that this is a dwarf-themed game about a dwarf tribe that's on the run. Uh, Session one will take place minutes after the attack slash incident that destroys their original home uh, gets set underway. So it'll be a run and gun. They're grabbing what they can. They're surviving. You are encouraged to play a dwarf. It's not mandatory. So this is the response I get. I've got five people, right? Dwarf, dwarf, dwarf. Tiefling who's a dwarf, which is cool. I can work with that. Like blood like like, like some... blood of a demon but yeah. dwarf maybe with some physical like goat horns or something sure we can roll with that yeah elf ranger <laughs> who lives out in the woods and just does elf stuff and the first game starts in a mountain yes 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 okay yeah. so so i sat to thinking and thought what do you do in this situation like this is cadillac example of what can go wrong in a session zero how to handle a group template 
You're what so lucky. What do you lucky. do when you pick someone who Let me almost you. deliberately goes as far afield as she okay. possibly when I, can? When I tried to run a dwarf campaign that never got past the first episode, I had the complete opposite problem. I had elf, elf, human. <laughs> Didn't you have like a secret dragon and that was the breaking point? Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, secret <laughs> dragon. And then fully statted dragon. Yeah, fully statted dragon. Right? But oh, it's okay. She she'll never be a dragon. That she'll is never, always yeah. Dude, never that yeah. that yeah that that is seriously the dumbest player honeypot. Yep. I have ever encountered in my jamming career is I totally want to be this absurd thing, but I'm never going to use. Okay, of it. so well, so I one. am. I had one dwarf. I am blessed, Chad, because yes. instead of having one template breaker <laughs> you had one template follower yep. out of six or seven okay. yeah so just for full disclosure i did start by flying my pineapple flag and yes th- th- you wanted to be a wemmick as you <laughs> but, always but do you, you always ask yeah that. right but it's, it's hey like, dan we're gonna be playing vampire the masquerade right. can i be a wemmick yeah no and that's like buying a car <laughs> and looking at the paperwork fee and the resistant underside coat you know it's going to be on the invoice. You know they're not going to tell you about it. And you know if you say, get that off my damn invoice, they'll do it. It's just part of the dance. Right. Yep. Exactly. It's But I, I always have to put that out there for you. Because if you say yes, then I was totally serious. If you say no, I was joking right, anyway. Exactly. Right. All right. But that was my strategy in undergrad with women. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I called it my pineapple flag. Here's my question. All right. So the person playing the Elfin Rangers, not me. It's not anyone who's even yes. here right now. No. I highly trust her, though, which is why it even got this okay. far. That's what I was going to say. Why didn't you just say no? I mean, I'd let you play an elf, but you need to be like an emissary to the dwarves or or, or something other than an elven that's, tree hugger. That's where we're going. I didn't say no because I'm going to give her a chance to come up with something like that. She's not exempt from being connected to the dwarf hold or the group of player characters at all. Yeah. In, In fact, fact, all the dwarves are... Blood relatives. Yes. We arranged it to where we said we didn't want, like, father, child, or sibling, but we're all cousins, grandparents, nephews. The the social, political, religious system of this dwarf society is tribal in the original sociological sense of the Mm -hmm. word. Their family relations to one another define everything. That's going to be one of the crowbars of the story with the one who has demon ancestry. Because mm-hmm. what do you do with that? That right. that makes you really, really weird. But you're still related because mm-hmm. you have a dwarf parent, too. Yeah. There are two reasons I didn't just say, haha, that's funny, but that's the functional equivalent of a Weemick. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Number one was... This player has been a regular in my groups for almost a decade now, and she's never just upper decked my toilet, either <laughs> either with a character concept or in practice with a with a non-controversial concept. She always plays along. She's an asset to a game, so I'm willing to see what she's okay. got in mind. I, I will certainly grant that. Miranda has, <laughs> to use your analogy, she has never upper decked a toilet. She has never been a in problem a game. player. No, no, yeah. I, well, I, in real life all the time. I, I'd assume she's never upper decked a toilet. Well, you assume that. I but assume. You don't know. I do That's assume true. that. But she doesn't seem like the type. No. Number two is... <laughs> that was unintentional. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> Sometimes I slay myself. From my next trick, I'll set myself number, on fire. Number two is... Just because she's an elf ranger in a game about dwarves in a dwarf hold that's underground where there's no trees 
doesn't mean she can't give me a character concept that isn't plugged into the dwarf society yeah. and into the dwarf player characters. I mean, she's not playing a druid who has to be in their sacred grove and can never right. leave it. That yeah. and, and Tales of That campaign actually came up between she and I when, uh, when yeah. we talked about this initially. If she's going for the classic stranger in a strange land trope, has a character concept mm-hmm. like that, those are all through fantasy fiction. They're all through mythology. They go way deep. It's an ancient, ancient kind of story and kind of character. And I'm willing to run with it. But it has to be tied in. Well, and part of the concept, too, is we're leaving. Yeah. We have to leave. Yes. We have to go out where the trees are. Yes. And episode number one is yeah. going to be called The Floor is Lava. Because the floor is going to be lava. <laughs> you guys floor. need to get out. <laughs> so, you know, having the elf ranger with us, suddenly, instead of, you know, all the, oh, dwarves hate elves and blah, right, blah, right. blah, suddenly that's an asset. Yeah, she's probably going to be a lifeline because yeah. y'all don't have a ranger. Right. And you're going to get kicked out of the Undermountain. Mm-hmm. So it's it's going to, uh, she's going to have a lot of the spotlight coming right out the gate because she's going to yeah. have the skill set that none of you nor whatever survivors you can get out with you are going to be able to. And I could see train. dwarves being... It, like a meritocracy, right? You know, it's like, oh, you're elf, you're fey, you're useless. What do you, you know, you can't even hold a pickaxe and blah, blah, blah. You led the clan to its new home. We would have died without right. you. You are on the council now. I don't know about that far, <laughs> but this this is a lawful good society. Right. They don't just hate other people because, especially mm-hmm. if those other people are generally good. Yeah. They hate devils and they hate orcs and hobgoblins, etc. And so actually the tiefling blood dwarf, that's the outlier character. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I fully elf. anticipate, especially if So this tiefling actually does have like chaos mutations. We haven't decided yet. According to the player's handbook, fifth edition of the tiefling race, they do have visible tells. Like horns, little vestigial wings, etc., etc. It's a little ambiguous as to what happens if the base race of your tiefling isn't human. So Ed and I might dink around with the stats a little bit. I might give him like an extra con instead of an extra cha where it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But my presumption and what I believe is Ed presumption, this is subject to his agreement because again, this is his character and his ball is that he will be visibly altered in a manner that the dwarves consider an infernal deformity. And I think it's great because because he is blood family and it's like family clan family comes before clan. Yeah. So as his family, I can despise everything about him, but by God, I will kill you if you lay a finger on it. And you may well go into a portal to hell to fight the in-laws. Yeah. Like, this is a plot hook I have now, (laughs) and I love it. That episode's just Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's my job to hate them, not yours. Oh my God, we have to leave your parents by four o'clock or we're going to miss presents. (laughs) (laughs) Don't talk politics and religion. (laughs) (laughs) Don't talk religion at the table that is... Headed by a pit lord. <laughs> no, I am, I am seriously, seriously considering tying in the main antagonizing force and the destroyer of the dwarf hold to mm-hmm. Ed's infernal family. And I would say mm. I have a 90 plus percent chance of running that way, nice. depending on how the rest of my conversation As the family's patriarch, it sounds like I've got a lot of important decisions to make. <laughs> you will definitely... Well, you'll probably be the oldest one there. How much authority that actually gives you in practice, I don't know. That's up to you in the PCs. Yeah. And there's kind of the angle that it seems like most of the population of the new 
hold is going to be members of the brig in jail. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, the the elites went down to the bridge to fight them off heroically. They're all dead. Yeah. The, the cabinet has been shot. Uh, the secretary of kindergarten is now the president. You know, the classic Battlestar Galactica yeah. trope. And you may well be the secretary of kindergarten. We'll see how it goes. All right. So I think that's where we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Once again, please check the show notes. There's going to be a ton of links, a bunch of things we're kicking off, some of which we've already kicked off. And we hope you guys will check out. And with the Dwarf game, this is going to be, once we get it rolling, what we stream live on Twitch. So if you want to follow along with that game, just keep an eye on either the forums or our social media, Twitter slash Fear the Boot, or find Fear the Boot, the group on Facebook. Follow it there. We'll keep you posted. We'll have links a go-go to this thing. Yeah, there's going to, you will not have any trouble finding where and when we're doing this. The Skies of Glass AP is amazing. You are doing a wonderful job, Dan. We are having a phenomenally good time with it. You stunned me in the last game. We don't even have to talk about it on the mics, but just a teaser. When my mother walks up, <laughs> I was like, my mom's here? Like, th- there was so much that we had not discussed yeah. about my past because of Pops. I was stunned for a moment because I didn't know how to react. Well, and I'm going to say this for some other recorded format. I'm not going to get into this episode. Yeah. Right, right, right. But actually, the unintended influence that you guys had on how I developed the girl that's with you now. You have no idea how much your reaction to her changed her story. (laughs) And that is probably a show topic in and of itself was how you guys completely rewrote an NPC without realizing you were doing it. (laughs) So, all right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. Go to lookoutradio.com. It's amazing. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2017. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.